0: Today's topic is about Islam. Hello my radio friends, I'm glad to be with you for another in the programs entitled Give Me the Bible and thanks for joining me today. You know, advertisers know that if you say something often enough, people will believe it and there is something I want to sink into your minds so that you believe it and that is that God loves you. For some time now, I've been considering doing a program about Islam. The reason for that is because we hear so much about supposed Muslims doing antisocial activities and see certain murderous and horrendous acts attributed to Muslims on our news time television. I thought it might be a good thing to try to make sense of it all. Despite any reputations that Muslims have gained in society, it is my opinion that Australians generally regard Muslims with distrust and suspicion. It's a fairly widespread impression that Muslims disregard human rights and have a hidden or perhaps not-so-hidden agenda to take over our culture and impose their own. I frequently receive emails about Muslims, and some of those emails are quite hostile. So let's see what we can discover. There are about 800 million Muslims worldwide and it is a fast-growing religion. It may come as a surprise to you to know that of all the world's major religions, Islam is closer than any others to Christianity, although many Muslims oppose Christianity because they feel that Christians have become degenerate. Anyone who believes what Islam teaches can become a Muslim. It has nothing to do with cultural heritage. Not all Arabs are Muslims. In fact, only about 18% of Arabs are Muslims. The basic beliefs of Muslims are, firstly, that there is one God who is the creator of this world. His name is Allah. He, Allah, created both men and women, and he is to be obeyed. Secondly, the holy man of Islam is the Prophet Muhammad, although Muslims recognise that there have been other prophets. Thirdly, the holy book of Islam is the Quran. Muslims believe that every word written in the Quran came directly from Allah and was written down by the Prophet Muhammad. And in addition, Muslims believe that there were other holy writings given by other holy men. These holy men were to be role models for other people to copy. Muslims believe that each person is responsible for living in an exemplary way, to be pure, to be responsible for their own families, and to abide by the law. Added to that, Muslims believe that every individual will be judged in the Day of Judgment, and the outcome of that judgment will be based on what the people have done during their lifetime. Muslims believe in spirit beings, such as angels. They believe in their existence, their names, their tasks, and their descriptions. Muslims believe in the forgiveness of sins. To be forgiven, they pray directly to Allah. They do not accept that a priest or any other such intermediary can be the means through which forgiveness is to be obtained. Muslims believe in a life hereafter. In order to obtain that life, they believe that they must be good Muslims and good people. How one practices their belief is very important to a Muslim. Part of that practice is to pray facing toward their holy city, Mecca, the birthplace of Muhammad, five times a day. Muslims believe in the oneness of mankind. People, they say, are created equal in the sight of Allah. There is no superiority except in matters of righteousness and piety. Muslims are required to respect the dignity of mankind regardless of religion, race, nationality or place of birth. Conservative Muslims accept that women are an equal, mature and capable partner of a man with equal worth and equal value. Muslims believe in clean living and being moderate. They teach that all true Muslims must abstain from alcohol, from drugs, from pig meat, from charging interest, and any immoral behaviour. Conservative Muslims regard sexual display or anything that may excite the passions with disapproval therefore women are not to expose their bodies in public in order not to arouse the passions of men in the privacy of their own homes women can expose their bodies wear makeup and let their hair down to make themselves pleasing to their husbands there are 5 things that are compulsory for a Muslim, the first is what is known as Sahada. This is to announce that there is one God, Allah, and Muhammad, the Prophet. The second is Salah, which is a responsibility to pray five times a day. And there is Siam, which is to fast during the daylight hours of Ramadan. Then there is zakah, which is to donate money or property in excess to their needs to the more needy. And fifthly, there is hajj, the requirement to go on a pilgrimage to Mecca in Saudi Arabia at least once in their lifetime. A good Muslim will be careful to follow these five requirements, because if they do those things, they believe they'll be given salvation. That means that a Muslim believer feels that he or she earns salvation. This is a major difference with what is taught in the Bible. We'll deal with this more fully toward the end of today's program. Overall, A conservative Muslim is a clean-living, productive, respectful, and peace-loving person. At the same time, it's fairly obvious that Islam is a religion of control. It's not an open religion. Muslims are not to ask too many questions. They must strictly obey and accept what they are taught. However, just as within the ranks of Christianity, there are differences based on culture and understanding of the Quran. As a result, there are extremists and others whose beliefs vary from the standard or the conservative beliefs and practices. ISIL or it's probably better known as Islamic State, claims to be fighting a holy war, jihad. Yet conservative Muslims reject all forms of terrorism, extremism and fanaticism. They do, however, accept a need to strive, to struggle and battle against temptation, against social injustice, against evil and oppression. So now, what are the major differences between Islam and Christianity? The first is that Christians maintain that the Bible is their holy book, while Muslims claim the Quran as their holy book. The question is, by what authority do Muslims claim the Quran is a direct revelation from Allah? The answer is rather interesting. Muslims say that the Quran must be from Allah because it contains information about embryology, that is, about sperm being the necessary ingredient to bring about pregnancy. There is reasonable doubt, uh, reasonable ground to doubt that claim because before the Quran was compiled, there had been several publications about embryology by firstly a Greek doctor named Galen who lived in about 150 A.D., Secondly, a Jewish doctor named Samuel Ha. Yehudi, who also lived around 150 AD. And thirdly, the Greek father of medicine, Hippocrates, who lived at about 400 BC. Most Muslims would be horrified at the idea that there has been information introduced into the Quran which was the result of copying. Now I have a copy of the Quran translated into English and I found it to be quite a difficult book to read. It reminds me of another book, The Musings of Epictetus, a Roman philosopher who gives his opinions on a variety of subjects. I found that the Quran did not give me any sense of hope or any feeling that it was divinely inspired. It was, to me, as a friend described, boring. But what then is the Christian's claim that the Bible originated with God? The answer is given in the Bible itself. It's found in 2 Timothy 3.16, which says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and for instruction in righteousness. Now that statement is supported by another one in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. It says, For prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And then further to that, the psalmist writes in Psalms 119, verse 105, Your word, that is God's word, is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. The prophecies in the Bible have come true. Its accuracy is 100%, but it is doubtful if the Quran has such a perfect record. The Quran makes no claim about itself. The claim is made by others, whereas the Bible makes its own claim. We'll have a short break now, and we'll come back to the rest of this shortly. You may be surprised to learn that the Quran speaks about Adam and Eve, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the Israelites and Jesus. These personalities of course are also mentioned in the Bible. Muslims believe that Abraham was the father of their nation as do the Jews. The big difference however, is that the Jews regarded Isaac as the child of promise, whereas the Muslims regard Ishmael as the child of promise. Ah, yeah, but who cares, you may ask? In reality, the answer is very important. There was a time when God tested Abraham's faith. We can read about it in Genesis chapter 22. At this time, Abraham had two sons. The first one, Ishmael, was outside the normal marriage, and the second, described as the son of promise, was named Isaac. God instructed Abraham to take Isaac to a distant place and there to offer him as a burnt sacrifice. As it happened, God intervened, and Isaac's life was preserved. At the end of the testing of Abraham's faith, God pronounced a blessing on Abraham and said, and you'll find this in Genesis chapter 22, verse 16 to 18, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth Will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Did you notice that God said, Your only son? How come he said that when Abraham had another son? It is reasonable to expect that God meant Abraham's legitimate son, Isaac. It was through the line of Isaac that Jesus was born. It was through Jesus that all the nations of the earth have been blessed. It is through Jesus that our sins are forgiven and we have the right to eternal life. The Arab peoples are descendants of Ishmael about whom God said he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility against all his brothers. Muslims believe that Ishmael is more important than Isaac. And while they accept Jesus as a good man and a prophet, they do not believe in his divinity. It's not clear to me how Muslims view Allah. We know that they regard Allah as supreme, as creator, and as judge. But do they regard him as just, as righteous, as loving, and merciful, and gracious? Yes, Muslims do ask forgiveness for their sins, and they expect forgiveness. Now, all this brings us to who Jesus is. Muslims rightly agree that Jesus existed. They agree about his birth and what he did. But they refuse to believe that he was the second person of the Godhead. They do not accept his substitutionary role as mediator and they do not accept his death or the sins of humanity. Muslims fall into the same category of the ancient Israelites under the Old Covenant. Their relation with God or Allah depends on their performance. And as we know, that before God no one can stand righteous because all have sinned and come short of what God requires while doing good works and following the rules are commendable, they are not enough. God is perfect, and he requires perfection. Sinful human beings, no matter how good they may seem to be, cannot enter the presence of a holy and righteous God. It requires a sinless substitute, to stand in their place. Jesus is the one who lived a sinless life and took the punishment of humanity in order to be our substitute. Yes, we can ask for forgiveness until the cows come home, so to speak, but unless we have someone appropriate to represent us to God, we have no hope. Based on their rigorous lifestyle, there is no doubt that conservative Muslims are good people. But being good is not enough. We are saved because of the merits of our substitute, Jesus. In the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 3, it tells us plainly, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away our sins. And then goes on in verse 10 to say, We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Not only is it impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away our sins, it is also impossible to have our sins forgiven by living a rigorous lifestyle. Probably the Muslims fail to understand that Jesus was not an ordinary man. He was the Son of God. Indeed, he was God. The first chapter in the book of Hebrews makes that very clear. Read it for yourself. Muslims accept that God is the creator of the world, but they appear to be unaware that Jesus was the creator. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 tells us that. In these last days, it says, God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and, notice this, through whom he made the universe. Jesus did not keep it hidden that he was of old from before the creation of the world. In John chapter 8, verse 58, he said, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was, I am. Though Jesus often referred to himself as the Son of Man, there are over 30 references in the New Testament where he's called Son of God. Here is just one, right at the beginning of the book of Mark, where it says, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then, further in Hebrews chapter 1, the inspired writer, possibly the Apostle Paul, is telling of certain things that God has said. In verse 8 we read this, But about the Son, that's Jesus, He, that's God the Father, says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. Here, God the Father calls Jesus God. Jesus is divine. All right, then, well, what should we make of all this information? What conclusions should we draw? Firstly, let it be said that conservative, moderate Muslims are good living people. Secondly, their religion is highly regulated. There is hardly any room for dissension and free thinking. Muslims must conform. There are harsh consequences for non-conformance. Thirdly, theirs is a performance-based religion where they believe that they will be saved depending on how well they keep all the requirements laid down by the Quran and the Muslim tradition. Fourthly, Many have doubts that the Quran is actually the direct word of Allah, the name they give to God. Compared to the Bible, the Quran seems dry and lifeless, a set of instructions. Fifthly, although Muslims believe in a judgment and rewards for the faithful, they fail to recognize the need for a saviour. And lastly, it should be recognised that there are many Muslims who are carrying out the form of religion. There's no real heart change. The Muslim tradition is more important than a love relationship between themselves and God. The Bible, on the other hand, talks about a loving God who wants a permanent bond of love between himself and man. As we've been studying what the Bible has to say through these Give Me the Bible sessions, I hope you've come to the understanding that our loving God wants companionship with human beings. He wants your companionship. Well, time is up. We must stop. But I need to tell you that for myself, to know God is a wonderful thing. And to search the depths of his holy word is a very worthwhile and enriching experience. So, until next time, may God bless you and give you peace and joy and hope.